Lord, we thank you again this morning for your great love for us, that you went to the cross for us, that you give us life and hope and forgiveness. Lord, we celebrate you this morning. Thank you, Lord, for your many blessings in our lives, for our families, for the freedom we have, for the salvation we have in you. Lord, we celebrate you. And as our hearts turn towards Christmas, Lord, we pray that we would keep you as the focal point in our time together as we celebrate. Thank you, Jesus, that you are here. Would you come and do your work in our hearts? In your name, amen. Amen. Thank you, worship team. You may uh, turn or be seated or turn to those if you'd like and wave to them and say, hey, you're here. Welcome. Good to see you. It is good to see you. I've got just a few announcements and then we'll head to the Word and to the table. If you have your bulletin, you can see we've got our healing rooms is meeting on Monday. Uh, later on today, it's not in the bulletin, but we are doing Risen Families, 4.30 to 6.30. So if you want to join us and bring supper for you and your family and then hang out afterwards, we'd welcome you to come and join us. Two Christmas Eve services, you'll see those there in the bulletin as well. Uh, the 24th will be live stream. 23rd won't be, but if you are planning to come to one of those, please phone ahead and let us know. Uh, same kind of phone ahead setup that we've been doing uh, since, well, June, half a year since we've been in this kind of mode. Sometimes people say, well, it changes so much. And I just go, well, it's been six months. And the only thing that really changed for me was masking in August. So that was four months ago. And otherwise, it's been kind of the same. So I don't know. That seems like change a lot to you. It does a little bit to me, but it's not like week to week it changes, so, which is really nice. I was thinking it would be so different if the amount of people we could have in a service changed between being in green or being in yellow for COVID. But if you look at the actual framework for what level of COVIDness you're in, for churches it's the same for green, yellow, orange, red. It's only when we get to gray that it actually changes, so we're in pretty good shape, guys. We can stay at our 30% for a while, it seems. So that's all right. Anyway, take a look at the rest of the bulletin if you get a chance. Uh, Meals on Wheels is still looking for people to help uh, with deliveries for that. Also, you may have noticed there's a table at the back with books on it. If you would like to take a book and give it a home, you're more than welcome to. We're just downsizing the library and moving some things around. We're getting ready to renovate that meeting room into two offices, and like I say, move some things around. And, uh, and so if you are dearly attached to one of those books and would like to bring it home, you are, you are just bless you in your book taking. Uh, you go right ahead. Actually, it's funny. It looks like nothing's moved on the table. We set it up through the week, and then different ministries were here and doing stuff and whatever. And I kept looking out. And it was always full. But then I'd look in the library, and the library was getting lower. And I realized Charles and Brian were restocking it every time. And I'm like, Where's, where are those books going? It's just, the table looks the same, but this looks different. And I thought, oh, nothing's happening. No one wants any of them. And then I looked and thought, oh, no, we're actually doing really well. Brian and Charles were really on it. So thank you, guys. And if you see Charles, he's not here at this service. He'll be at the 11th. 
But Charles uh, finished up his internship with us this past week and just did a great job helping out primarily with youth and Sunday school and a few other areas, pastoral care and different things. So he's been a huge help. He had We had hoped to have him preach at one point, but it was right around that time that he was quite full with youth stuff. And I said, Charles, are you? do you really want to? Are you okay? And he kind of sat back and went, yeah, I think I'm okay. <laughs> so, but I know he did do some devotionals for youth and whatnot. So bless him. So Charles, this is now recorded forever. So thank you. I'll try and thank you at the next service for sure. Uh, that's awesome. I think that's it by way of announcements. And I believe, Rob, are you reading for us this morning? Rob, why don't you come read our passage for us? Uh, just before I read the word, uh, the f- last and final uh, reminder that we are collecting a cash gift for our employees for the church here, and today's the last Sunday to give to that. And you can give it to Olga, uh, Janice Russell, or myself. The scripture today is taken from verse First John 2. Verses 3 to 11. 1 John 2, verses 3 to 11. We know that we have come to know him if we obey his commands. The man who says, I know him, but does not do what he commands is a liar, and the truth is not in him. But if anyone obeys his word, God's love is truly made complete in him. This is how we know we are in him. Whoever claims to live in him must walk as Jesus did. Dear friends, I am not writing you a new command, but an old one, which you have had since the beginning. This old command is the message you have heard. Yet I am writing you a new command. Its truth is seen in him and you, because the darkness is passing and the true light is already shining. Anyone who claims to be in the light but hates his brother is still in the darkness. Whoever loves his brother lives in the light, and there is nothing in him to make him stumble. But whoever hates his brother is in the darkness and walks around in the darkness. He does not know where he is going, because the darkness has blinded him. Thanks, Rob. This Sunday is the fourth Sunday of Advent. It's sometimes... If you, if you do the, the thematic topics for Advent, peace, hope, joy, love, this is the love week. This week is the joy week. That's why it's pink. It's supposed to be a kind of a glimmer of hope in the midst of the darkness before the light comes. That's why that one, it's not like we didn't find a third, it's not like we couldn't find a fourth blue candle. If you ever wonder, you're looking at those Advent wreaths, like how come they didn't, how come they don't match? up with that third one it's supposed to be that way it's okay figured it out anyway this week is the love week and it's kind of fitting that we get to this passage john's central commandment when it comes to following god let's just pray before we head into this lord we thank you again for your word would you open our hearts this morning would you teach us and convict us and comfort us and encourage us and show us what it means to live as your disciples, as your image bearers. 
in such a time as this, we pray in your name. Amen. John's emphasis here is that we know we're in Jesus based on following his commandments. And it's a commandment that's both old and new, he says. Old, verse 7, he says it's an old commandment. You've had it from the beginning, but it's also new, he says, verse 8, because of what's happened in Jesus and what's gone on in the new kingdom of God. So it's really fitting. And, and, And really for John, the commandment to love brings together two things, a love for God and a love for one another, that central commandment from the Bible. What's the greatest commandment? Jesus says, love the Lord your God, and then follows it up with love your neighbor as yourself. And these are really two intertwined actions. Your love for God is revealed in the way we love others. And when we love others, it's showing a love for God because we love those that God loves. Again, he says it's an old and a new commandment. It's old because it's it's, it's going right back to the Shema, right back to Israel and Moses and the Old Testament. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. Hear, O Israel, the Lord your God, the Lord is one. You shall love the Lord your God. It's old. It's going right back to Israel's foundations. But it's also new because of Jesus. Look at verse 8. He says, at the same time, it's a new commandment that I'm writing to you, which is true in him and in you. Because the darkness is passing away and the true light is already shining. We're back to that theme of light and life again. It's a call to a new life, says John. It's a life to love others out of response to what Jesus has done in us. And you get this sense, this idea of darkness passing away, that there's, there's two ways of going about your life. You can live out a new life to follow Jesus, this new commandment, to love God and love people. But there's also an old way to live. But that old way is passing away. He talks about the darkness is passing and the true light is already shining. It's this idea that there's an old way that we used to go about living. And now because of Jesus, something fundamentally has changed. And that old way of living is passing and a new age is dawning. We've talked a lot about Israel's expectations about Jesus. We talk about this sort of every Christmas, right? Every Easter. There was this hope that God would return, especially when you get to the Gospels and and Israel's under Roman authority. There's this hope that God will return and the Messiah will return and he's going to set things right. Uh, the, The temple will be filled with his presence again. And there was a thought too that, you know, at a future time, God's going to come and and set the whole world to right, and the nations are going to come, and, and all will be made well, and all will be made new. But it was this future time thought to be kind of long off somewhere. And what's interesting is the early Christians realized that that glorious future had begun to break into the present because of Jesus and because of the resurrection, that the kingdom of God wasn't just far off. It was here and now and coming into the world. And that kingdom of evil and death had met its end. The darkness was passing away. And the resurrection of Jesus and the giving of the Spirit were like down payments. They were the assurance that that future life, the future glory of God was coming already and was being made manifest here and now. 
and the promised future would ultimately arrive, but it had started. The kingdom had been inaugurated, and then we now we're awaiting its completion. And in the same way, we are waiting for the fullness of Christ's kingdom, just as the first Christians were waiting. And just as we're waiting for Christmas, there's the sense of anticipation that we know it's coming. Sort of every springtime, there's the anticipation that it's, it's eventually coming. It will eventually get warmer, right? There's this idea here that the new age, the kingdom of God has come. The first fruits, the down payment, the assurance is Jesus' resurrection and the spirit that's here. But the fullness of God's kingdom, his reign and his glory will arrive when Jesus returns. And that's why John can say the darkness is passing away and the true light is already shining. It's like the assurance of dawn's arrival, even if we might still live in the night. And maybe in your life you feel, I am definitely living in the night. But the dark will not last forever. The light will come. The true light's already shining, says John. It's only going to get brighter. And if we're living in that new age, in the kingdom of God, if we're living as citizens of the king and we're called to live like him, that means we're called to love each other. That's the mark of the new kingdom of God. If we're part of the people of God in Christ, we join in on the old commandment that Jesus has made new, the command to love one another. And that's why John says in verse 9, if we say we're part of the kingdom, if we say we're in the light, but we still hate our brothers, we're in darkness. We're not walking in light of the new kingdom. We're not walking in the way of Jesus. We're still in the dark. But if we love one another and we abide in the light, then we're on the road, so to speak. But if we hate one another, we're actually still in the darkness. We miss the point. We walk in the darkness, says John. It says we're actually spiritually blinded. We've missed, we've missed the idea of what living in Jesus is about. And I think it's so interesting that John... John wants our faith to be lived out on the ground in reality. There's this idea that if we say, if you say you're a Christian, we say we have faith in Jesus, it's meant to be demonstrated by the love that we show to other people. It's, it's meant to shape our thoughts and our words and our actions, to be marked by a love for others. And so the natural question this morning from this reading is where... Where then are you most called to show love at this time? What are the situations in your life where you are called to stop walking in darkness and start living in the light? Or who are the people around you that you know are still walking in darkness that need to hear and need to see in you the love of Jesus and see that lived out? Who in your life needs to know the love of God. And of course, we could say, well, everybody does. Like, it's everywhere. It's all over the place, right? It's just, it's all over. It's all, it's kind of too big. But if you stop and think about it, my guess is the Spirit would give you some person or some specific situation that will reveal itself as the place where love could take shape and this way of living could take shape. Sort of, you might say, where the rubber hits the road. And I encourage you to think about that. Where are the, where's the situation in my life? Or who are the people in my life that I'm called to love? Perhaps especially if it's very difficult to do that. Who am I called to love? Who's around me? 
I'll, uh, I'll give you an example of my own personal struggle to live out this uh, in the past couple weeks. For, for me, um, I feel like a lot of my learning to try and love people is, is trying to willingly listen to people. And in my role as a pastor, a lot of people come and tell me things. Um, pastor Al can attest to this, and I'm sure Pastor Velma can attest to this too. Uh, you just hear from a lot of people. And uh, sometimes they're quite upset. And, uh, and they need someone to kind of vent to. And, uh, and that's fine. <laughs> and it's good. It's okay if you need to do that. I'm not saying that's bad. I'm just saying it happens. Um, and so you kind of need to, you need to, you know, make sure those things don't sort of come in and bring you down. You realize that's their, that's their thing. <laughs> and that's okay. It's over there. Um, but a lot of people want to talk about COVID because, you know, why not? It's like talking about the weather. Um, we had a recent ministerial meeting, and it was just so helpful for all of us as pastors to talk about the struggle of trying to pastor during the pandemic. And uh, one guy said, uh, "Covid's become my sports. I just follow it constantly. I'm just, I'm just, I know, I know all the latest details of everything and all the vaccines and who did what. And it's like I just, I just follow it all the time. I found that people are usually somewhere on some kind of continuum." spectrum and on on one hand um, you've got those that that uh, that want to make sure that the church does everything they can to love people well and of course that's really 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 good um, and then you've got crazy people way on the far side that are just kind of loopy you've got loopy people on all sides you guys know there's loopy people everywhere right so you've got the loopy people you've got the far extreme people and and it's it's just craziness and then and then you so, but they're really really scared and then you've got people who are really fearful, like really actually terrified and, and like just don't know how to process anything. And, and it's, it's unsettling. And then over here, you've got people that are just angry. And, and they're sort of angry about government and angry about, um, you know, anything, any kind of public health measure or any kind of government thing is now communism. And, and we're going to be in concentration camps, you know, and, and then we, it's like becomes conspiracy theory, right? on the far end of it. And, and, and they're frustrated. So, but on the one hand, what's interesting is underneath that is a desire to, um, somewhere in the middle, where people are a little more uh, thoughtful <laughs> and a little more thinking, saying, um, you've got people that want to love their neighbor well over here um, and, and really protect the public health well by doing everything we can well. And that's a good thing. And then you've got people over here that are saying, but we want to love God, and so we... We, we can't stop anything. We're just going to keep gathering no matter what. Um, and if we don't, then we're, we're, you know, we're not loving God. And it's interesting that underneath that, there's sort of this theological conviction of how do you actually live out loving people well, which is a really good question. Um, but then you've got, like, people on the extremes who are just, they're just angry about life, angry about all sorts of things, and trying to work that out. And and it's it, it, you've got folks on folks in the extremes, and of course these people are saying, well, let's 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 follow the guidelines so we don't get people sick, which is like really a good idea. That's really wise. And then you've got people over here saying, like, if we stop gathering as churches and we stop gathering at all, uh, you know, the mental health problems are going to go up, and the loneliness and the depression and the despair are going to go up, and that's also true. So how do you kind of balance those out? And and that's really tough. Um, and as we were talking at the ministerial, and we had a talk probably for an hour afterwards, some of, some of us, about that. 
and different ones who have had to navigate the angry people who are upset that certain things are different this year and others who are afraid to afraid to be in a building um, because they're going to catch COVID. And it's really, really difficult to try and walk that out and kind of navigate it. Uh, and for me personally, like, I don't really get stressed about COVID. Like, I'm not up at night worrying about it. I don't even really think about it half the time. Um, none of us, by worrying, right, can add a single hour to our lives. But the difficult thing is, is learning to listen and to love people who have different views and who all as Christians want to honor God but just might not quite agree on how to best live that out. That's really that's where the rubber hits the road. That's a that's a real issue. And it's in those moments of tension even between Christians that I've been faced again talking about me personally and trying to love people well faced with that decision to try and love and listen to the one who's in front of me and and calm the fears or or quell the anger if that's where they're coming from and to try and engage with them well and try and and together point each other to Jesus and 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 the the trouble for me that I find is I can I can let those things then come in and make me so fearful that I've done something wrong right that maybe I failed in some way and so now I'm sitting there saying have I done my due diligence to lead well and can I still listen to others and and help them navigate through their own emotions whether that's a fear or an anger on the far extremes or just concerns most people it's just general concerns in the middle and trying to do that well trying to do that well but it's it's tough it really is but that's the place where I'm learning how to try and love well. And I think it's, it's worth saying that because when we talk about loving people, it's not just a sentimental, kind of cozy, fuzzy, warm feeling. It's love. Love is found in the mess and the muddle and the struggle of daily life and of trying to live our faith well uh, in a time that's difficult. It's, it's not just a conversation about floaty emotions, right? Love is to choose the good for someone else, to seek the good on their behalf. And it's especially difficult when you have different ideas of how to do that well. I mean, thankfully, to close the COVID drawer, um, it's so handy that we're, things are not crazy right now, and it's easy for us to navigate how to do this well, right? So that's pretty simple. But if it was, if it was a harder time, if we were in red and gray, it'd probably be more stressful, it'd be more difficult and we would really need to seek the Lord together to, to ask for his peace and his presence as we seek to live for him in a difficult time. In the meantime, we can love God and love each other by seeking to be patient and to listen well and to pray for each other and to, to extend the peace and the love of Christ to each other and to those around us who have no hope. But that's what it means to love. Again, it's not just an emotional feeling. And I think Jesus demonstrates this best, right? The greatest love is to seek the good of others in a way that's not self-seeking, putting aside ourselves for the sake of others. And that's what Jesus has done for us at the cross. Put aside his own life so we can know the grace and forgiveness of God.
And John says, if we're abiding in the light, if we're abiding in Jesus, we ought to walk in the same way that he walked. That's verse 6. And so that means we're called, folks, in this time, as Christians, with COVID around us, with however you're feeling that day, whether you're frustrated with things or you're feeling the fear of it, and that's okay. If you do, it's okay. But to then return to Jesus in the midst of that and ask for him to to stir in you a deeper faith and a deeper hope and an obedience to follow him. I think it's worth noting that Jesus never compromised his beliefs, but Jesus willingly laid down his rights. And it's one thing to get all upset about our rights. But we follow a Savior who willingly laid his down for the sake of loving his enemies. Never compromised his beliefs, but willingly demonstrated his love in the way he cared for others. And so whether we're prone to the worry or the fear or the caution, or whether we're prone to the frustration and the anger and the defiance, there's a call for all of us to check our hearts and to never let either the anger or the fear distract us from the call to love God and to love our neighbors. And if we do that, we'll be in a much healthier shape, be a much brighter light for our community as they seek to live out what it means to be in Canada in this season. And we have a fantastic role to play by pointing to Jesus and saying, we may not all agree on exactly on the policy, but we're not united in that. We're united in our relationship with Christ and the newfound life and love that we experience in him. That that greatest commandment to love God and love our neighbors, that's our, that's our rallying cry. And we can do that even in a difficult time. Before we move to the table, I wanted to end with this video about loving people in practical ways. And I encourage you to think, who are the people in my life that I can love practically? Who do I struggle to love? Who, who, where is it difficult to love? And how can I live out the love of Jesus this week? So let's do that. And we'll watch this video. Then we'll head to the table. So if you've heard of Jesus, you probably know about one of his famous teachings called the Golden Rule. Do to others what you would want them to do to you. And this, actually, is a restatement of something else that Jesus said, that the meaning of life is to love God and love your neighbor as yourself. Now, that's really beautiful, but what does he mean exactly by the word love? It's an unclear word in English, because you can love your mom and you can love pizza. And if the word love means the same thing in both of those cases, your mom's going to feel real bad. So what did Jesus mean in his language? Well, first of all, this love your neighbor phrase is a quotation from the Hebrew scriptures, where the word for love is ahava. However, the language Jesus spoke and taught in from day to day it was a cousin language of Hebrew, that is Aramaic, in which the word for love is rachma. But then, as Jesus' followers spread his teachings around the world, they translated them into Greek using the word agape. 
But here's what's fascinating. The earliest followers of Jesus who wrote the books of the New Testament in Greek, they didn't learn the meaning of agape by looking it up in ancient dictionaries. Rather, they looked to the teachings of Jesus and the story of his life to redefine their very concept of love. So one time, Jesus was asked about the most important command in the Jewish scriptures. And he first quoted from the ancient prayer in the Torah called the Shema. Love the Lord your God with all of your heart. So love for God is the most important thing. But then Jesus quickly followed up by saying another command from the Torah was also the most important, to love your neighbor as yourself. So which is the most important, loving God or loving your neighbor? Jesus' answer is yes. To ask the question means you don't get his point. For Jesus, they are two sides of the same coin. Your love for God will be expressed by your love for people and vice versa, they're inseparable. And so this makes it clear that for Jesus, agape love is not primarily a feeling for someone else that happens to you, like our phrase, I fell in love. For Jesus, love is action. It's a choice that you make to seek the well-being of people other than yourself. Jesus also went on to teach that genuine love for God and others means seeking people's well-being without expecting anything in return, especially from people who are in difficult situations who can't repay you even if they wanted to. According to Jesus, this kind of generous love reflects the very heartbeat of God. And he took this even further. Jesus said that the ultimate standard of authentic love is how well you treat the person that you can't stand. Or in his words, you shall love your enemy and do good to them, expecting nothing nothing in return. For Jesus, this kind of enemy-embracing love imitates the very character of God himself. Now, we wouldn't be talking about Jesus still today if he had only said things like love your enemy. This is how he actually lived. Jesus was constantly helping and serving the people around him in very practical and tangible ways. And he consistently moved towards poor and hurting people who couldn't benefit him in return. He showed love for the forgotten ones, the people who usually fall through the cracks. And when Jesus eventually marched into Jerusalem, he made himself an enemy of the leaders of his people by accusing them of hypocrisy and corruption. But then instead of attacking his enemies to overthrow them, he allowed them to kill him. Jesus died for the selfishness and corruption of his enemies because he loved them. After Easter morning, Jesus and then his followers claimed that it was the power of God's love for the world that was revealed in Jesus' life, death, and resurrection. As the Apostle Paul put it, God demonstrated his own agape for us in this. While we were still sinners, the Messiah died for us. Or in the words of the Apostle John, God's own agape was revealed when he sent his one and only son into the world so that through him we could have life. And for John, then, this leads naturally to the conclusion, beloved ones, if that's how God has loved us, then we ought to show love for one another. So Christian faith involves trusting that at the center of the universe is a being overflowing with love for his world, which means that the purpose of human existence is to receive this love that has come to us in Jesus and then to give it back out to others, creating an ecosystem of others-focused, self-giving love. And that's the New Testament meaning of agape love. Thank you, guys. Who are you called to love this week as we seek to follow that great commandment? The Lord is merciful and gracious. He is slow to anger. He is abounding in steadfast love and faithfulness. God has shown his love for us that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. By his suffering and death, our sins can be put away and remembered no more against us. 
For the wages of sin is death, but the free gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. As we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Let's take a moment. And if you would like to stand, if you'd like to sit, if you'd like to kneel, let's pray together and just bring before the Lord the problems in our world, the issues in our hearts. Let's pray together. Lord, we thank you that you are good and true and our hope in this time and in every time. Lord, we come as we are and we recognize that we have not always followed you with our whole hearts. and We have not always loved our neighbor as ourself. We've done things we ought not to have done. We've left undone things we ought to have done. But Lord, you have mercy upon us. Your word says that you forgive us and cleanse us as we confess our sins. So Lord, I pray this morning that you would forgive us, that you would cleanse us, that you would fill us afresh with your spirit, Lord, with your healing power and your life and your goodness. Lord, may that change happen in our hearts so that we may shine the light of who you are, Lord, among the people that you bring us into contact with. Lord, I thank you that you forgive us, and I thank you that you've called each of us who follow you as Lord and Savior into the mission of making disciples, of sharing your gospel, Lord, in the places that we work, in the places we study, the places that we play, places we rest. Lord, you call us to be a light for you. And we pray, especially in a time that can feel very dark, that you would keep us from what can become squabbles amongst ourselves, squabbles over the internet. Lord, give us a sound mind. Give us a deeper love for you and for each other. And Lord, as we come to this table and remind ourselves of your sacrifice for us, may that take root deep in our hearts that we would live for others in the same way that you chose to give your life for us. We ask these things in your name. Amen.